<clears throat> Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dave, band. And uh, good morning. And uh, again, great to be with you. Great to be seeing people. Who's back kind of first time in, um, you know, over lockdown? Anyone sort of their first Sunday back? Give us a wave. I know some people have gone out. Zach, good to see you, mate, and others. And um, Just good to be back together and uh, be encouraging one another in this way. Um, I'm just to say something on the Syrian um, and the um, Afghan families coming in. I mean, th- this money that we're looking to give today at the end of the meeting, let me just move this a second. Hang on. Um, we're going to be, um, uh, there's, there's two families coming in on Wednesday. So some of that money given today will be spent tomorrow, and families on Wednesday will be getting a box of all sorts of things to welcome them into the, this then their new homes, um, practical things, stuff for their children if they've got kids and so on. So it's a very immediate application. And we get to partner together in that as a church family uh, as we give in. Then there's more families coming in in a few weeks and other Afghan families coming in as well. So we're working with the council in that and we have the joy of providing for them in that way. So uh, do take that opportunity to give after the meeting, as Dan said. So we're doing a series at the minute called Triumphs and Trials. Um, from 1 Thessalonians, book in the New Testament, the letter the Apostle Paul wrote. Um, Paul had uh, gone into this place, Thessalonica, and he told people about Jesus. He'd spent a few weeks there, and then he uh, has to leave all of a sudden because trouble comes, as often did when Paul went into places talking about Jesus. If you start basically saying in the kind of culture where Caesar is Lord and King and start to say anything other than that and maybe question that, well... um, (laughs) authorities come down on you, as we will see, and they faced trouble, and they had to leave Thessalonica, and, and Paul cared deeply for the people um, that he spent time with. You see that comes through in the language, you'll see that through Thessalonians, he talks about, like a nursing mother we were among you. I mean, I mean, that's just nurturing language, isn't it? This is what Paul was like, he cared deeply, and he wanted to know were they, how they were doing, you know, basically they get a load of trouble, Paul and his friends Silas and Timothy have to leave Thessalonica, and, um, and he's concerned, so they send Timothy, and they get this great report back from Timothy, and you see that again coming through the letter, 1 Thessalonians, you see this, Paul's gratitude, Paul's encouragement from it, Paul's joy from it, he's happy to hear a good report, because it's great when we get a good report of something, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you've kind of uh, had a good report before where you kind of, um, some good news comes in the door. Um, And I want to kind of use the analogy of an ECG. I don't know if you've ever had an ECG before. Uh, Is it echocardiogram? Is that? Yeah, that's what it stands. I'm getting some nods from people who know. Um, And if you've ever had an ECG, you have all these things put on you, and uh, you get this report of your heart and you get these little spikes. Hopefully we've got a PowerPoint, and we'll, that will come up on the screen. These little kind of, there you go. You get those spikes there, don't you, saying, hey, there's a heartbeat here. And um, it's always reassuring to, to know that. And uh, these sort of, they're signs of life. And, and, and the sort of lower the peaks, I guess, the lower the strength of the heart. And Paul gets this report back from Thessalonica, from Timothy, basically with these strong heartbeats. It's like bang, bang, bang. And each one, Paul is like, I'm encouraged, I'm encouraged. And joy comes to him as well. And so I want to ask that question, really. What, what would, if we took an ECG of, well, let's start with ourselves individually. 
If there was an ECG of your life in regards to kind of our, our faith, where we're at with God, where we're at with Jesus, what it looks like following him, what would the ECG look like for you? Or if we took an ECG of, our, of the church family, what would it look like? And there's four um, signs of life, I think, here in the verses we're going to read. And we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 to 10. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to it. It's always good to be following through in the Bible, reading it through together, and also maybe have a finger in Acts 17 as well, because we're kind of going to flick back there a little bit. So Acts 17, but 1 Thessalonians, and chapters 1, verse 6 to 10. So it says this, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation and trouble and trials, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Archaea. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out, it's rung out, so that we have no need to say anything, because they're saying for themselves, they report to us about what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living God and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he's raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. So four signs of life. And the first sign of life is this, that they welcomed the good news about Jesus. Like I said, when you receive good news, you welcome something. Sometimes we use the phrase that, oh, she welcomed the good news. I don't know, maybe an exam result. Um, I, didn't, I don't think I've very rarely had that privilege of welcoming good news of exam results. But, um, or maybe a medical report, or it might be a financial windfall or something. Some long-distant uncle that you've never met in your life that has left you something. Anyone had that ever? No? Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, what, what else? We welcome good news of, of, of um, what else? We get the job. Maybe. You, you have an interview and you go through that process of a job interview. Who loves job, job interviews? Again, it's a bit painful, isn't it? But hey, if you get the job and you get that phone call or email or whatever it might be saying, you've got the job, how do you feel? You, you welcome the good news, don't you? You welcome it in. And, and here they welcomed the good news about Jesus. In fact, it says they welcomed or received the word. Um, and it was about Jesus, this word that he's referring to. And again, this is where Acts 17 comes in, because you can go back to Acts 17 and say, well, what does it look like? What did it actually look like for them to welcome the word, the gospel, the good news about who Jesus is? What does it look like? Well, we see in Acts 17 that they listened to what Paul said. So Paul went to the synagogue, the gathering of the Jews and these other Gentiles, non-Jews who were gathered there, and he told them about Jesus. And they listened to what he said. He explained to them, it says in Acts 17, about who the Christ was. He reasoned from the Old Testament, the Scriptures, and said, this is who Jesus is. He talked to them about the one who had to suffer, because they were expecting this Savior, this Messiah, to come, and the cross was like an anathema. It was like a, it doesn't make sense to, to them. In their reading, they were expecting maybe this sort of strong um, leader to come to deliver them out of oppression of the Roman Empire and so on, and, and kind of muscle-bound Brad Pitt to kind of roll in and smite everyone on sight and to deliver the Jewish people. And then Jesus, this humble, gentle, loving, but also 
a lion. When you look at what Jesus said, he wasn't a kind of wimp or walkover, was he? And he says some really challenging things as well. But Paul had to reason with them, saying, no, 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 look, there's crucifixion now, Isaiah 53, you can go there and other places. No, no, the Messiah, this one has to suffer. And he says, and rise from the dead as well. And he talks about the resurrection, he talks about the cross. In verse 10, we just read it here, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come. He's speaking there about judgment on sin and evil in the world. I don't think I've met anyone yet, really, who would say that, no, no, they, they wouldn't want evil to be judged in the world and there to be justice on the evil that we see in the world. But as we've said many times, it's not just evil out there, it's evil in here. And there's wrath to come. There's, there's right judgment against evil that is to come by God. He's a loving God. He loves justice. But Jesus rescues us from that. And so Paul spent time with them talking about this to them. And it says then, in, back in Acts 17 as well, that they then became persuaded of this. And, and, and that doesn't speak to me like sort of someone came up to them and, and just simply said, yeah, there's this Jesus who lived and died on a cross and he raised again from the dead. Right now, do you want to become a Christian? It says to me that they, they, they spent time with Paul. They listened to him. Um, maybe there were conversations going on. In fact, the language that Luke uses to explain the way Paul did it says that Paul reasoned with them. He explained things to them. In other words, you might have questions about what I've just said, about the whole, um, you know, the cross and the resurrection and wrath to come and all of this stuff. I get it. If you're, if you're not a Christian and you're just exploring this, you've got questions. Well, Paul, I don't think, is dismissive of those. He explains things. That means to open up something to someone's understanding that was previously closed. And Paul takes time with them to do that. It says over three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them. He explained to them. He had to give evidence as well. This wasn't leave your brain at the door and kind of become a Christian. It was engage with this. And Paul's audience did that. That's what they did. I just want to encourage, look, if you're in that place, if you, if, I don't know if this is going to be online later or whatever, and you're watching this, then get in touch with us if you've got questions about Christianity. Or if you're here in this room and you've got questions about things I'm saying here, please come and speak to me afterwards. I'd love to spend time with you. Just open up the Bible together, have a read of it, and explore these things together. So this is what it looked like. They listened to Paul's words. They paid attention. They became persuaded um, I remember that for myself, actually, I think, just hearing about Jesus and thinking, for some reason, I'm persuaded by this. I'm convinced by this. I don't understand it all fully, but I think this is actually true. But then this takes you to the next bit, is that they experienced God's power. It wasn't just something like intellectual assent to becoming Christians. They experienced the power of God as well. And um, Paul writes in verse 4, Our gospel didn't come to you only in words, but also in power, and the Holy Spirit. And we just read, they welcomed the joy with joy of the Holy Spirit. Because good news had come. I mean, ultimately, it's like the best news in the world comes knocking at the door of your life about what God is like, about what God has done, about the way God sees you, about God's love for you, about God's grace to you, that you haven't got to clean your act up before God welcomes you first. You come just as you are with all your mess and muck and sin and failures and all the rest of it. And Jesus says, come to me. In fact, that was alluded to earlier, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden. Just come as you are. He welcomes us in, our, in that state. We don't come to God to try and tip the scales and do good works and prove ourselves to God. 
It's grace. We open the door to grace. It's grace. It's like, wow. It's amazing. Amazing grace. You open the door. Have you opened the door to amazing grace? Have you welcomed amazing grace into your home, as it were, into your life? Taken on board what God says about you and what Jesus has done for you. So this is what it looked like. They listened to Paul's words. They became persuaded. They experienced power. There was something else going on. Goff touched on this quite a bit last week. But then they also counted the cost. It says that they welcomed here the word in much tribulation. A lot of trouble going on. And if you go back to Acts 17, you can read about one guy called Jason. It's there, Acts 17. Doesn't, don't think Jason gets mentioned anywhere else. But Jason had become persuaded, I guess, about this. And maybe Jason had a family. Maybe Jason had a, a nice home and so on. And, and, and Jason was now hanging out with Paul and Tim and Silas and, and starting to follow Jesus. And then what happens? His trouble now comes right to his front door. It says the authorities went to his house. And they dragged him out of his house. Put yourself in his shoes. I mean, it's not a great advert for becoming a Christian, really, is it? <laughs> Follow Jesus, and you have authorities banging your door down. But that's the reality for people then, but also for some people now. And whether that's in places like Afghanistan, and we will be praying for people, in, in our brothers and sisters in those sort of places that are facing that kind of persecution. Jason had to count the cost of following Jesus. It might not be that for us, but there will be a cost. It might be in ridicule, it might be in... People, I don't know, criticizing you. It might be in the workplace. It might be in our jobs. It might be in all sorts of things. But there, there is a cost. Jesus says, take up my cross and follow me. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't welcomed Jesus first and foremost, to, to do that. He rescues us from the wrath to come. And way more than that. So that's the first sign of life, really. They welcome the word about Jesus. And the second sign... Um, is that they became imitators of Jesus. Um, in verse 6, it says that you became imitators of us. Paul's referring to himself, Silas, and Timothy. And he's basically saying in doing so, you copied us, you mimicked us, you became an imitator of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. He later says in 1 Thessalonians 2.14, you became imitators of the church of God in Judea. To imitate someone is to copy, isn't it? To mimic. Some people say it's the highest sort of form of compliment to be copied. But I read one painting website, I'm not a painter, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but one painting website says that copying is the only way to get your bearings when you're first starting out. Copying is the only way to get your bearings when you're first starting out. It's true, isn't it? When you, it might be in your workplace, it might be in your job, it might be, the children do it, little kids do it, don't they? They copy, what are you doing? All oh, right, okay, I'm going to do that then. It's the way we, we get our bearings. And I remember coming to church and becoming a Christian, coming to church and thinking, what do you do? How do you follow Jesus? What does this actually look like? And as I looked around and spent time with people, I thought, okay, that's how you pray. Get around people who can pray. You know, life groups are key in this. Running partners are key in this. Gathering on Sundays. But if you're new to Christianity, if you're a new Christian, get your bearings from others. Kind of, okay, well, talk to others. You know, milk others for all they're worth about what does it mean to follow Jesus. I did this. I still do it. There are times when I'm in situations when I will think to myself, okay, how would Marcus handle this? How would my other friend handle that? 
How would so-and-so handle that situation they walked through? I, I think like that. I still imitate people. It doesn't, you don't grow out of it. We still look to others and learn to others. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It might be in books that you read and things like that, but I would encourage you, be an imitator of what it means to follow Jesus. That's why be plugged in relationally with other people is so important that we're not simply attending on a Sunday morning, but it's way more than that. It helps us grow. We have this growing character and gifting. It's helpful to be around other Christ followers, people who set those kind of examples. And that takes me on to the third kind of peak of the ECG. They became an example of what it meant to follow Jesus. They didn't just kind of become imitators of others. Okay, I'm a Christian. I'm doing quite well on my own now. But actually, they started to be an example to other believers. Other people started to look at their lives and their church life together as well. And they started to think, okay, well, that's how you follow Jesus. That's what it looks like. Even though they were persecuted, and again, if you go back to verse 3, you see what that example looked like. Paul says their work of faith, their faith in Christ resulted in them doing good works that benefited other people. He says your labor of love, that their love that they knew from God and, and they had for people wasn't just an emotion they felt. It resulted in hard graft, giving themselves. It talks about the steadfastness of hope. This was another characteristic. They set an example in the face of suffering, in the face of difficulty. And, and I love it. At Kings, I can point around many, many people who are going through things and, and point out this kind of work of faith, this giving of themselves in all sorts of ways to serve others, this labor of love over decades, giving themselves, following Jesus, this steadfastness of hope, even in the face of really rotten, horrible, difficult times and yet remaining steadfast because of the hope that we have because of the resurrection of Christ. But I want to keep growing in as an example as well. Paul, the apostle, when he wrote this, he said, he dared say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How would you feel about saying that to someone else if you're a Christian? A bit uncomfortable? Because we know we're not perfect. We know we get it wrong. But we want to keep growing in these things. And I'll just say a few things that help us keep growing as an example to others is keep, keep, keep rooted in grace. <laughs> keep there in that you're not trying to impress other people, your audience of one, God only, you're trying to please God and, 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 and you're not working for acceptance but from it. You know, a position of I'm utterly loved, I'm utterly accepted as I am. Keep rooted in grace if you're going to be an example to others. Keep learning from Jesus, keep imitating in others. Keep honest. <laughs> keep really honest. I think it's a great example to others. Just to, you know, we're not setting, trying to set some perfect, unattainable example that, that you've got it all sorted as a Christian now. Now, if you follow me, you too will be the perfect Christian. Actually, one example of following Jesus is, is this admission of failure. And actually, I do get it wrong. Jesus put, forgive us our sins in his daily prayer for a reason. He said, confess your sins to one another. It's there in the Bible for a reason. And so sometimes it's setting an example to others by saying, actually, no, I feel weak today. Or I feel like I've messed up here today, but this is how I'm walking in it. It might be an example. How do you walk in repentance? How do you walk in restoring relationships with other people where there's fractured relationships? It might be setting an example in that. We want to keep growing in these things always and not plateauing and not sort of settling. Faith is a dynamic, living, moving, living, breathing deal because God is like that. If our faith has become kind of static and still, 
It's like, well, oh, Lord, breathe life into it again. We're always going to be growing until our final breath. And we can set an example to others and in that way be an encouragement to others as well. So how's your ECG going? Are you welcoming Jesus? Are you imitating others? Are you looking to others saying, how can I grow? How do I walk through this? And, and, and I, I, you know, that phrase, there's no Yoda. There's no one Christian who's kind of the super Christian that you can sort of follow as Yoda. That's the one Christian now. I'm going to be discipled by that person. I believe with all my heart we are discipled in all sorts of contexts, by all sorts of people, in all sorts of situations, even sometimes when the person you're talking to doesn't realize that they're encouraging you and discipling you. And so that's why we want to stay in that place, our faith moving forward, becoming an example of what it means to follow Jesus. And as a church, we want to be that, don't we? With all humility, we want to be an example to others. But this is how you do loving community. Yeah? This is how you do it, how you follow Jesus together, not simply individually. And the final peak as well, the final sign of life was they became witnesses they pointed people to Jesus. It says, the word of the Lord rang out from you. It made me think of, when I hear that word, rang out, is in some translations, of obviously a bell. And I remember when I was in France, a while back, we stayed in a friend's house in the south of France, and for some unknown reason, the churches there feel they've got to ring their bells at just unearthly hours of the morning. Um, and we were really close to the kind of wind, you know, the windows near this, this church tower. I'm sure they've got good reason. I haven't got the foggiest what that might be, other than waking up people like myself when we're on holiday. But you, you, you hear the bell. Bells are designed to be rung, aren't they? And if you get a bell and mute it, what does it sound like? Or a symbol. If we grab one of these symbols behind me now and muted it and hit it, it's a, just a dull, it doesn't ring out. They're designed to ring out. Same with our lives, both individually and as a church. And that's going to be in our lives, pointing people to Jesus, talking about Jesus, and, 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 and you know, we all struggle with this in different ways and so on, but God calls us to, to, to ring out. Don't mute the bell of your life. Don't mute the bell of your life. And we don't want to mute the bell of the church either. And I'm just reminded when I was preparing for this, um, Morris Nightingale, a good friend of the church, some might remember this, when he was with us a few years ago now, he just talked about a flavor of kings going out to nations. And he talked about Coleman's mustard. You know, it's in all these sort of shops abroad and in different places. And it's like the flavor of Norwich. And he said, I really feel the flavor of Kings is going to go out. Well, let me ask you one question. How is the flavor of Kings going to go out to other places? People. And who are the people? Us. That's the reality. God is going to call people to go. It might be for short seasons, places. It might be to encourage people. It might be for long-term to places. It might be fairly locally down the road. It might be down to Beckles to go and serve down there with James and Jess and the church down in Beckles. It might be Europe. It might be the other side of the world. Who knows? But God will send us out. The gospel will go forward. We will play our part in global mission, and we are as a church. And look forward to sharing more of that in the the, the, the months. In fact, I'm, is it Friday night we're talking about this a bit? I can't remember. I think Friday night we're talking about this. Um, as we gather here with, from across all sides, we'll be talking a bit more about relational mission and what we are we're doing together. But the gospel rang out. And as the gospel goes out, what happens next? Oh, where's the PowerPoint? Have we got the PowerPoint there? Oh, my ball patch is showing again. There we go. 
That's the thing, when you're standing on camera at the front here, looking at my nice ball patch, um, <laughs> sorry, they, it goes back to the beginning. As we go out, people are welcomed in. And then it goes on and on and on and on and on, and this is what it is. Another way of putting it is this, is gather, grow, go, gather, grow, go. It's the cycle. It's what we do as a church family. And I just want to be praying that we'd have a, a growing sort of strength of heartbeat, both individually but also as a church as well. That This is there in the life of kings, absolutely. But let's pray for it to grow stronger and louder and clearer than ever before as we go into this next season. Yeah? Yeah? Brilliant. Shall we stand, please? And if the band want to come back up. I just want to, I want to just pray for us in that way, really, but I encourage you to pray. Back to the beginning, the ECG, you know, if, we, if there's an ECG of our faith and our following Jesus, what would it look like? What's the strength of some of these? And, and it's not a beat over their head to kind of, oh, I've got to do better. It's actually being more amazed at the grace of God. <laughs> actually, he fuels us in a way that we keep growing as Christ's followers. And also that if you've never said yes to grace coming through your front door of your life, never said yes to Jesus, who he is, what he's done, I'd encourage you as we sing this song, you know, just vocalize it, ask Jesus, and... Um, and then look to get plugged in and get to know other people. Look around, well, how do I get, you know, how do I follow Jesus and follow this way that Jesus calls us to? So let's just pray. Lord, I do ask, Father, for, I thank you, first of all, Lord, I thank you for the signs of life at King's. I thank you, Lord, that through COVID, that even through a time of lockdown, Lord, there have been so many stories of these peaks of life, of like, these beeps that go off. Oh, look at the life of God there. Look at what's going on there. Look at the love that person is showing in that situation. Lord, we so thank you for the signs of life, for a good report, as it were. But Lord, we want to keep growing. We want these peaks to become stronger and, and larger and higher, Lord. We want them uh, to, to, to be louder, as it were, Jesus, in our lives personally, but also corporately as a church family, Jesus. And I pray you just... It's by your spirit. <laughs> oh, we can't whip this up or whatever through anything, Lord. It's going to be your work in our lives. And so we come asking for your grace and for your help, Lord, to walk in your ways, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen.